Are you struggling to write your own website copy? Perhaps your sales pages, your blog posts, your articles, any of your social media stuff. Perhaps you are struggling to get the right message, the right tone, because you just don't know enough about copywriting. Or maybe you are trying to outsource your copywriting. You're just struggling to find somebody. Well, you are definitely going to want to listen to today's episode so that your website copy really stands out. So your blog posts are not bland and fade into the background, but they stand out like a really good brand, a really good personal brand. Today, we're talking to Sam Turner. He's had an expert in copywriting for over 16 years. Sam's also an independent HubSpot consultant. He's going to share with us his top tips, some great examples, and how you can find a copywriter if you want to outsource and what you should expect. So you are definitely going to want to listen to this episode because it is critical to your business sales success, particularly online. Okay, so Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great to be here. Fab. Um, what I'd love to hear from you is how you got started in what you're doing now, your yeah. journey. Great. So yeah, so um, I used to be a head of digital at a marketing agency and my remit there was, was pretty broad, but um, fundamentally uh, now I freelance in the main areas that I worked in for the agency. So um, those areas were consulting on a software called HubSpot and then separately copywriting. And that tends to take the form of quite traditional copywriting, um, producing blogs or articles for businesses or, or website copy for, for brand new websites. Um, but it can also be uh, ghostwriting. So a, a lot of what I do is, is ghostwriting for re- re- fairly senior individuals um, who need copy produced in a, in a certain way. Um, and yeah, I got into that basically from, from the agency world. Um, I've always written, I've kept it up while I was head of digital and um, yeah, it evolved from there. Well, you touched on a few different things I've not heard of before then. So um, obviously you've heard of blogs, heard of articles, ghostwriting is probably a new concept to me. So just describe to us what's ghostwriting. Sure. So ghostwriting is the practice of um, somebody else writing the content for uh, the person who will ultimately appear as the author. So it happens quite a lot in uh, sports autobiographies. So fairly often sports autobiographies will be ghostwritten by a sports writer uh, who will write as the person that the autobiography will come out as. Um, But it also probably happens more than I think most people probably realise with a lot of the material that appears online from fairly senior people you know you think of Harvard Business Review Forbes they quite often have CEOs directors who will write in inverted commas articles for them and quite often those pieces will be ghostwritten by a professional copywriter who does the writing um, as as the end author wants it to be done and then it's published with the end author's name attached to it but in the background there's a copywriter doing the ghostwriting. Oh really I've read so many Forbes articles and never thought that I was just <laughs> like sure Ariana Huffington you know Ariana Huffington can write all these things <laughs> okay um that's definitely something i would look into in the future because i am rubbish at writing okay it's probably my least <laughs> favorite so all those things you just mentioned um i would like to outsource as quickly as possible you need a ghostwriter <laughs> i do um i think the one of the things is i guess as a, a new entrepreneur you sort of you're always told to use you know for you to write all your posts and for it to be your messaging and your voice and all that kind of stuff so at first you feel like you shouldn't you should write everything else yourself so um I guess what would be really good for people trying to write good copy is to understand how to know when you're good at it and how to know when you're really messing it up 
Yeah, and I think I think that's probably really tricky, especially if you're just starting out. And you know, ultimately, if you if you start in a business, you're probably able to write, and you're probably able to write, you know, really well. So, deciding on when's the right time to hire a professional copywriter and when's the right time to do it yourself is 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 tricky. Um, I think most people who choose to do it themselves would probably do a fairly good job. I think it, you know, it's it's worthwhile if you are choosing to do it yourself to maybe sort of compare and contrast with a copywriter if you're able to do that, what, what sort of thing you would get from a copywriter doing it too. Um, I think if you are going to do it yourself, the, the, the best way to approach it is to try to approach it as a copywriter would. Um, um, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about about that and how, how people can do that if they choose to do it themselves. If you um, if you do it that way, then you're, you're more likely to get to the end outcome that a professional copywriter would, would get to. You know, you're more likely to go through the, the same process and get to hopefully at the end of it, better copy in a way that a professional copywriter would. If you don't follow that process and, you know, you, you just sort of have a bash at it, then you might end up with something that's fine, but not the advantage that a professional copywriter would give you. And, and one of the things that I was taught early on, um, and okay, I'm a copywriter, so I'm slightly biased, but in reality, if you think about a website, the, the copy is everything. You know, you, you don't have anything else to get across to people who you are, what you do, what you sell, how good your products are, why people should buy whatever it is that you're selling. The only thing that does that is the copy. The rest of it, you know, is, is useful for brand and it ultimately helps, but it's the copy that does the convincing. Um, so it's, it's worthwhile spending the time and the effort on if you're going to do it yourself. Yeah, definitely. We'll get into that, that process. But just what is the, like, the biggest mistake that you see when you, when you engage with a new client and you look at their website or you look at what they're doing now? What's the common themes that jump out of you? You just go, oh, he's getting this wrong again. <laughs> so I, I think the, the the biggest thing for me is is voice um, and too much copy. Um, I, I, and unfortunately, it, it is sometimes copy that's been self-done. Too much copy doesn't have a genuine voice to it. And copy without voice is 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 pretty bland. So if you, if you if you don't have voice to your copy, if it could be used, it, it essentially could be used anywhere. You know, it doesn't reflect who you are, what you stand for, what your values are as a brand, what you want to communicate. Um, it tends to very plainly set out what you want to say or what you need it to say. You know, you think of a product description, it tends to be quite flat. It tends to be, you know, unengaging. Um, a, a lack of overall voice to the content you produce is the biggest issue. And I think that probably comes from um, perhaps time, perhaps, you know, again, understanding the process, it comes from a, you know, I'm just going to write this copy and because I need it and I'm going to get it onto the website and, and crack on with the next job. We've all been there. Um, but if you spend some time crafting voice, um, that's when you get copy that really does um, the job that it should do, that really does, you know, the job of convincing people that they want to engage with you, that they want to engage with the brand or the product. Um, that makes the real difference between, between good and bad copy. So how do you get that voice so I think that probably the best way to, to sort of describe this is to probably look at a couple of a couple of examples. So the, the, these are examples that probably, you know, most of the audience will be familiar with, I would guess. Um, and, and they show where you can get to if you if you if you go with voice and they're, they're very, very different. And, you know, you, you, you don't need to you don't need to aim for a certain voice. You need to aim for the voice that's right for you and the brand and the, the products or service you offer. So if you think about innocent drinks, so innocent drinks are, are, are famous for their copywriting and for the marketing approach that they took. They've got a, a very sort of um, fluffy, congenial uh, brand image. Um, and, and that's 
perfectly reflected in their copy. So if, if when I went onto the Innocence website to look for some copy, the, the very first thing that you see in the search results when you look up Innocence is a description of who they are. And that description is, we're innocent and we make natural, tasty little drinks. So... The, the, you know the, the were not to get too much into the um, into the weeds of grammar, but the, the use of the were the first person plural it immediately makes you relate to the brand. You know, and they're, they're creating a person for the brand. You know, rather than speaking, you know, almost obtusely about this this inanimate brand object, it's it's making innocent into your friend. You know, we're we're, we're here to talk to you, and you know, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about our drinks, and they're not just drinks; they're they're tasty little drinks. You know, again. Don't want to get too much into the individual grammar choices, but little in that sentence is a completely unnecessary adjective and most editors would would get rid of it. The reason Innocent have got it there is because it adds to their voice. It adds to their, the feeling that you're engaging with a nice, fluffy um, company that, you know, want to be your friend and, and have best interests at heart. Innocent, by the way, 90% owned by Coca-Cola. So they're not necessarily, they're able to craft their own unique brand through partly um, their copy and their, their copy choices. Yeah, definitely. I do. Yeah, it's definitely one of those friendly ones that you see on the shelf, isn't it? The whole imagery and the, and the language, like you say, that they use, the copy that they use. Yeah, I would never have known that they were part of Coca-Cola either. <laughs> but I do love Innocent and whether it is, it is probably because of that, that, that very description that you just gave there versus a Tesco smoothie on the shelf. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, it, you know, Innocent do other things too. If you look at the um, the ingredients on Innocent, it used to, you know, it used to describe, you know, we have one and a half apples, you know, it's not just not just one apple, there's little quirky bits. It's how they do that. And, it, you know, even the nutrition information, um, it, it, I'd have to buy a bottle of Innocent to check whether this was still true, but it used to have a little arrow pointing to the nutrition information. It said, this is where the good stuff is, you know, and the little unnecessary copy tweaks that, that all goes together to make that voice. You know, you, you, anything that you look at from Innocent has got a voice. It's all very consistent um and that builds brand and that that separates the, the good from the from the bad copy cool so what other examples have you got for us that was good okay so if we look at um something at the, the absolute polar opposite of of innocent so um for, for obviously unfortunate reasons we've, we've probably all read a royal press release in the last in the last uh, six months or so um and uh and, and they have a very very different tone and a very very different voice to innocent movies as you might expect so if i just read you the latest um when i went before we recorded this when i went to check it, the the uh, royal website and the the latest press release it's about a visit from the president of south africa and the first sentence of the press release is the president of the the president of the republic of south africa president cyril ramaphosa accompanied by dr shepo mantebe has accepted an invitation from his majesty the king to pay a state visit to the united kingdom from and then it lists the dates that uh, the delegation will be visiting so if you look at uh, if you look at that firstly that's incredibly long it's 42 words it's a it's you know a, a fair ramble um, the Republic of South Africa is is named the Republic of South Africa in the release. They, you know, most of us would just refer to the country as South Africa, um, but they've chosen the full form. When you read that written down, a state visit is capitalised as if it's a as if it's a proper noun, whereas it, it's probably fairly debatable whether state visit is a proper noun or not. But on the on the royal press release, they decided to make it one. Everything about that um, piece of writing reflects what we think of when we think of the royal family. It reflects formality. It uses complete formal grammar it's probably you know it goes into a little bit too much detail um if you were critiquing it not knowing who'd produced it you would probably say you need to shorten it you need to you know speak a a, a bit more friendly towards your audience but actually 
when you think about who it's coming from, it is reflecting the tone of voice that we probably all want the royal family to have. It is creating a voice that works for them and 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 their company in inverted commas. Um, so it's another good example of you know deciding who you are, who you want to communicate to, what you want to sound like, getting a handle on what that voice is, and then producing copy that reflects that voice. So completely polar opposites, innocent drinks, but, um, but it, 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 it does, uh, it does the same job in a different way for a completely different brand. Fantastic. And do you have any other examples for us, Sam? Yeah. So the other one, and I, and I probably encourage people to, to go and read, um, uh, this guy if, uh, if they can, especially if they're interested in copy. So w- w- probably what he, his background is, a, is as a creative director, but in, in recent years, um, he's probably become more famous for his commentary on, on advertising and also on copy and his style. So Dave Trott, um, was a, you know, a relatively famous, um, agency guy. He, he set up and created uh, multiple agencies and then over uh, the last uh, 10 years plus he's, um, sort of crafted a new career as a blogger and a and a commentator in an advertising and um he says some really interesting things about copy and advertising and that's that's definitely worth reading it's also worth looking at his style so dave trot writes in incredibly short sentences and then makes those sentences paragraphs so if you read a piece of dave trot copy it is a page of really really short paragraphs with constant breaks so the, the first um the first line of his his recent blog is Common sense isn't regarded very highly. In fact, it's usually sneered at. And that isn't only a sentence, it's the first paragraph. And the rest of the blog flows as such. What he does in, with that style is, if, you, if, you, if we take that first sentence, um, that is an opinion. Um, you know, it's probably, only, probably an opinion we can all perhaps relate to, but it's an opinion presented as fact. Um, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's sharing what he thinks about common sense, but because it's so short, um, and because it's so punctually delivered, it's, it's, it's a 12 word paragraph. It, it, it accentuates his opinions as facts. And when you read a full Dave Trot blog, every single paragraph is like that. So every single paragraph helps to sort of reinforce the fact that what he's saying is right. Um, and again, that fits with his brand. He's, you know, he's a, he's a senior um, advertising executive. He, um, he, he does have lots of good stuff to say and he wants his voice to reflect that what he's saying is right. He wants his readers to believe that, you know, his, his opinion is the correct one. Um, so it's another really good example of somebody who's thought about what they want to say, um, but also thought about how they can say it in a way that is going to help that message to hit home and help to achieve their objectives through copy. So yeah, three different examples, but, 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 but all reflective of people who have found a voice and then use that voice to create good copy. Yeah. And, and that last one, that Dave Trot one that you just gave me, I can imagine he's Marmite people. Yes. You're either going to like that or you're really not. And I suppose they always talk about in marketing, repelling some people is good because you'll attract more people that are your target market versus trying to appeal to everybody and failing. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think Dave Trott absolutely is my mind. There will be as, as many people that, that like reading him as, as, as don't. But what, what you do by creating voice, and I think, you know, I think Dave Trott would probably agree with this in, in a lot of ways. You voice is almost trained out of us. We almost, we almost try, we almost want to avoid having a voice because it, it connotates risk and we don't like the idea that we're going to turn 50% of people off. Um, but it, like you've just said, you know, you, you almost have to turn some people off in order to appeal to some people. The alternative is 
really, really bland copy. And in really bland copy is not going to do any of the job that it should do. It's not going to convince people. It's not going to get to the 50%. It's going to, you know, it, it's the, the old adage of um, a, 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 a appealing to no one. Ultimately, you know, it, it will it will not produce the whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Do you know, that really resonates with me because, I mean, I come from a corporate career and you are professional in your tone. Every email is professional. So when I first started putting social media posts out on LinkedIn, my voice, as you say, was very bland because it has been trained out of us. Um, and to then step in, step out as an entrepreneur or a brand, personal brand, you've got to find that voice again. And that's really difficult when you've been suppressing it for so long. You probably will find that anybody who transitions from a career to having a business they really struggle to be that Marmite or to or to just voice who they are. Yeah. But while we're just on that, actually, because one of the things, when you were talking through the brand, you were talking through the Royal Family example, you were talking through the Innocent brand, I was sitting there thinking, well, I'm not a big brand. And many people listening here are solopreneurs. Like, is this still relevant to me? But then you talked about David Trott, and I was thinking, well, it is kind of relevant. So I guess, what would you say to people who are solopreneurs and they've got their own individual blog and and you know, what, what would you say to them about copywriting and the importance of it? Yeah, sure. So the, the, the Royal Family example and the innocent example are, are, are polar extremes, aren't they? You know, they're, they're, they're taking it to the to the nth degree at either end of the formality spectrum. You know, uh, they, 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 the innocent one being very informal and the, the Royal one being very formal. Um, if you're yeah, a solopreneur, if you're, you know, just starting a business and, you know, you, you, you maybe look at those and a bit worried by how far out they are, um, I would say it's still perfectly possible to find your voice you know if, if you are writing as a as a person or if you are writing um for your brand um it's still perfectly possible to have a defined voice in in whatever way makes sense so you know if i think for example of people that i've worked with in the past um if you're um a, a, a freelance scientific inclined company you know if you if you do something that is in that field then it's probably fairly natural that your voice would be a bit more technical that you know you would be showing off your um your technical expertise with with everything that you write you know you would use lots of technical language um but maybe you know if if you want to go this way maybe your brand could be a bit more playful you know maybe you're trying to um uh, find a niche in the industry where you're a bit more of an approachable uh, scientist in a in a very technical field. So in that case, you know your, the voice that you would craft might be technical, but explaining those technicalities as you would to your friend in the bar. You know you you'd, you would find a voice that was informal but still technical and highly sort of scholarly, but wasn't the same as somebody writing an academic paper on the same subject. So whatever field it is that you're in, um, I would say it's always possible to find that voice. It it it, it the, the, the sort of knack of doing it is spending some time at the start to figure out who you are, what you want to say, what you're happy presenting to the world, what matches with the brand. Um, and then you'll, you'll find something that is, is probably not quite as far apart as Innocent or the, the Royal Family press releases, um, but, ha- but still has some voice that is different to, to what else is out there. I feel like we need to move on to the process now of, of, you know, if you were working with one of us about, you know, how do we, how do we go through that process? Where do we start with trying to uncover that? Because a lot of people are probably, like I said, suppressed. We've worked in jobs where you've just, you've had the the company tone of voice, if you like. Um, So I feel like let's, maybe let's talk about the process that you go through. And then what I'd love to do is come back around to if somebody's thinking of hiring a copywriter, how they would find them. So is that, does that sound good? Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, 
So yeah, I mean, I mean, process to start with, you know, whether you whether you're working with a copywriter or or, or whether you're um, you're going to do it yourself. Um, a, a good uh, a good sort of copywriter relationship, and you know, again, if you if you're doing this yourself, it will be a bit of sort of self exploration, or you know, maybe do it with somebody who can help you to, to answer these questions. Um, I would always start with figuring out, you know, who who you are and, and what you want to what you want to say. You know, you've, you've probably not thought about your business in that in those terms before you know you thought about the technicalities of getting set up and what you need and how you get products in or how you're going to offer your services but it's worthwhile taking the time to just just spend a minute and think what what sort of area you you operate in in the marketplace a, a good way of doing this um i found historically is to ask yourself or get somebody to sort of ask you and sort of be the be the person that prods you these questions um ask yourself what you like in the marketplace at the moment and what you don't like um because you will have competitors no matter you know no matter how innovative the thing is that you're you're releasing your offering um and if you start to look around at your competitors you'll you'll start to pick out things that you like and that you don't like and and that can be a sort of indicator when you when you sort of cross-reference those likes and don't likes that can be an indicator of where you want to sit in the market so if you listen to that um, Dave Trot excerpt, or if you go and read a Dave Trot blog and you think I really don't like that then then you sort of know that your voice is going to be different to that you know that your voice is going to move away from that sort of style if you identify with you know the innocent example of being really informal and trying to craft a sort of persona for your brand um, then you know that you can sort of push that aspect of it a little bit more when you've done that, if you pair that sort of those things that you like and that you don't like with uh, your your mission, your values, what you want, what you want to achieve as a person or a business, if you feed all that into um, into what you, you you know what you what you think of, uh, your voice could be, that tends to get you towards uh, right. This is how I'm going to speak. This reflects you know our values as a brand, our values as a business. You know this is not like this brand that I don't like, um, and that can be a good way of starting. So yeah, some some comparison and some some trial and error. And, and some introspection to to get us all out of our comfort zone and think about who we really are. Yeah, no, that sounds right. I've not really thought about that, but yeah, I've definitely looked at other people on social media and thought, I don't like that. I don't want to come across like that. But I think the trickier thing then is you find ones that you do want to be like, but you've not got to copy. Yeah. So you've got to be unique. It's that balance. Yeah, absolutely. It is a balance, isn't it? You, you, you've got to find, you've got to see what you like and, and, you know, try to go in that direction without, without aping somebody that, you know, already does it really well. And, and, and yeah, that, that's, that's tricky. That's, that's part of the craft is, yeah, finding that original, original place. Sounds like a um, lot of sort of deep reflection time, a lot of brainstorming, a lot of research, going down rabbit warrens on, on the internet and things doing that okay um so let's say i wanted to find a copywriter um but i have no idea what a good copywriter looks like and earlier on you said you can compare what a copywriter would do and what you can do but where do you even start okay so i mean the first thing to say is that that finding a copywriter is tough and and i and i say that from an agency background um if you speak to um, any marketing agency and they're really honest they will tell you that recruiting copywriters is hard um you it's tough to find um copywriters with the right availability with the right background with the right skills it's tough to train copywriting in a lot of ways um it's uh, you know it, it it's easy to find somebody with an, an academic background but then to you know to get them to a point where they're, they're ready to sort of listen to um a client's requirements even when the client might not be sure what they want um all of that is part of the copywriting skill set and uh, and that's difficult um it it, it re- whenever i think about you know it, 
clients that I've worked with in the past and you know how, how this has worked for people it, quite often referrals tend to be the way to go you know somebody who knew somebody who you know was a copywriter I would say if you go to you know a, a LinkedIn or if you have a look for there, there are various copywriter collectives some of which are agencies some of which are you know groups of freelancers who have pulled together over time and you know produce a sort of supportive group for copywriters they are all they are as good if not better places to start it will you know push you out of your existing network a little bit find somebody new um and and you know the, the obvious thing to ask for is previous examples work that they've done in the past um and if you find somebody that looks good then you know engage them for you know you can engage copywriters for a, a reasonable fee to do a sort of trial piece of work with you and then you know see if that's right for you you know not not every copywriter is is going to pair nicely with every client um so getting a copywriter to do a paid piece of small work um you know at relatively low cost to you is a is a good way of finding somebody that works before you go before you go further down the track okay what i'm hearing is that this is super specialized and going on five raw up work is probably not going to get the quality <laughs> of work that we want it's definitely a risk yes i would say but, but there's no doubt some good copywriters there too yeah. yeah i guess this is just the nature of the fact that everything's so digital there's so much marketing on the internet now it's going to be a skill shortage area i suppose it's similar to um you know, podcast editing and things like that, people who do it well, there's a skill shortage because, you know, there's a boom in the market, supply and demand. Yeah, I think it, it, I think that's definitely the case. Yeah, I think, it, you know, the, perhaps the, the sort of technical copywriter history, you know, the, again, the, the way that Dave Trott came up, maybe that is, is less common nowadays, but it, but that's probably because of the democratization of, of the skill, you know, the fact that you can go out and be a freelancer on, on Fiverr uh, or Upwork. Um, but equally, that makes it difficult to, to find the right copywriter to find, you know, someone with the availability and the, and the skill set that you actually need. So yeah, a bit of trial and error, it, you know, a lot of people I would say probably don't find the right copywriter on first go. Don't give up, you know, if you think that's it's the right approach for you to have your copy written professionally, then, um, then yeah, keep trying with small bits with people. So what should you expect if you engage with a copywriter? What should they do? So the, the, the key part of, of good copy, you know, beyond having a voice, but the, the key part of the process for me would be the brief. So the, the, there, there is no greater truism, I don't think, in copy than if, if you have a bad brief, you will get bad copy. It, the, the, the brief is, you know, if you, if you were building a house, um, you, would, you would have an architect's drawing set up and, you know, the, the builder would follow it to a, to a T and you would end up with a perfect house. The brief is to a copywriter uh, what the the architect's drawings are to a builder, and if you don't have that, then it's perhaps no surprise that you're going to end up with a tumble down house, tumble down copy. You, you you're not giving the copywriter what they need to give you back great copy. So you know if if this is the first time working with a, a professional copywriter, you've probably not created a brief before again it's something to perhaps look into um there's plenty of templates available um for me a brief should be you know no more than one page two pages at absolute most it's it's got to be concise and get the key points across so it doesn't need to be something that you spend loads of time on um but it does need to articulate the mission that you're on you know the who you are as a brand if you've done it you know the how you think you want to talk um it needs to you know perhaps include some background to you some some um some details on the audience that you want to talk to you know all of that is going to give the copywriter material to come back and ask you questions which is then how the copywriter builds up a picture of of what would work for you uh, uh, as, as good copy so yeah spending a little bit of time adopting a briefing template that you can use on an ongoing basis with a copywriter um that's a, a great way to to put time in at the start to get a better end output at the end and if you get a bad 
bad brief it sounds like you're used to coaching people through that <laughs> process yes definitely so yeah like i say it's, it's not a it's not a it's not something that people will have perhaps have done before especially if it's first engagement with copywriting and yeah when you when you sort of ask for a, a you know give me a brief what do you want it's it's almost like a, a you know blank piece of paper you know I, I don't know what i want that's that's your job sort of thing but if, it, if you um yeah if you again if you engage with a good copywriter then she'll be able to ask you the right questions and, and sort of tease that brief out of you if, uh, if it's needed and then what happens next so for me, um, as a copywriter, in terms of my process, I will always, um, at the start of the process, make it pretty clear to the client that they'll get what is definitively a first draft. So, And, and, and this is also an important point if you're going to write your own copy. Redrafts and corrections and working on copy is part of the process you know that's that's why you hire a professional copywriter you, you know if, if i wrote something and a client liked it first time that's probably a bad thing you know you you, you need it needs to be a, an element of collaborative process it needs to be you know the, the entrepreneur themselves saying what was right and what was wrong the copywriter should take that feedback and be able to uh, adjust what they've done now the copywriter is in theory the expert on the copy so you know they're, going, they're perhaps going to push back if it's if, if your feedback is maybe not technically right or or they think it takes you in a different brand in a different direction to, to where your brand's going um but it, it should be a, a collaborative um a, a, a constant sort of iterative process where you you work on it and you get to an end result um there are risks in that to be aware of. So, you know, if, you, if you've got lots of voices feeding into whether the copy's right or wrong, you can end up with a sort of endless redraft scenario where, you know, it never quite hit the mark because everybody's got a different opinion. Um, so, you know, try to keep that locked down tightly, but, but definitely see it as a collaborative, iterative process where you're going to go through a few, a few bits of it to, to get it, to, to get it to a, to a good place. Um, equally, judge a non-fit early because it's better for both sides you know if you, if you get a first draft and you think this is a world away from where i want to be and you know this is less of a redraft and more of a rewrite um that's probably the point to say um thanks but no thanks you know good effort but this isn't for us um it's better for you you're more likely to get to an end result faster and it's better for the copywriter because um they're not going to spend time probably not never getting towards the result that you want um so yeah that for, in terms of process that's that those are the two things that i think are, are probably most important i'm smiling for two reasons i'm smiling because i'm thinking my website copy last time probably just went out on the first draft <laughs> because I literally had got to the point where I was like, I am not launching my website because of crazy things like this page or this page not being complete. So done is good enough. <laughs> so I'm definitely guilty of that. Um, and then the second one I'm, I'm smiling about is, I think um, certainly when I've hired outside skills, I've assumed everybody to be the expert and me not to be. And then I've never felt confident enough to say to challenge it so I think it's really reassuring that you're saying to people no this should be a first draft first iteration go back with feedback and then and then work on it together I think that gives people the confidence to to challenge the expert in the room with, with what their voice is really but I, I do take on board that if there's a non-fit early and it's a complete rewrite then yeah move on yeah definitely <laughs> like yeah, yeah. um so th that's been incredibly helpful sam um i don't know if you've got any other top tips you want to leave us with before we find out how we can contact you and uh, learn more about your work 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've covered it really. I think that's 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 all I can pass on. I, again, I would say, you know, as a copywriter, if you if you decide to go down the route of a professional copywriter, great. Um, you know, there's plenty of people out there that, that can help. Um, it's a, it's also you know completely valid to, to do it yourselves. You know, your, your own website, I'm sure, is, is great, and you you've got the opportunity to revisit and do a second draft yourself when you get five minutes. Um, I would just say for anybody going down that route, um, try and adopt you know as as closely as you can the, the process that a copywriter would do. Um, you know, you you are being the copywriter I mean, that's you so if you can if you can follow that process then hopefully it'll end up at a, at a better result wow. so sam how can we contact and find more about the work you do and if people would like to engage in you where can they go yeah, so my website is uh, sam-turner.net. Um, that's got all my contact details on if anybody needs any further pointers or anything like that that, that, I, that I can help with, um, as well as a, a few bits of details of the, of the copywriting that I do. Uh, and you can also find me pretty easily on LinkedIn. Fab. I'll pop those links in the comments underneath the, sh- in the show notes. So thanks so much, Sam, for educating us on copywriting. If you've got any questions, please reach out um, to me on social media. It's at I am Sue Parker or over on the blog, sueparker.io. And I'll be sure to get Sam back on and <laughs> follow up with some more questions. Thanks, folks. Thanks for listening. Bye. I want you to know that I appreciate you for taking the time to listen to the Lifestyle Entrepreneur Show with me, Sue Parker. You're probably here because you want to improve the quality of your life. Maybe you are a business owner or aspiring entrepreneur trying to get better work-life balance, create passive income, leave a nine to five, use online business automation, or here to train your mindset for success. For more resources, make sure you check out the show notes, but don't forget to hit subscribe. I would be so grateful for a five-star review and feedback that allows me to do better at serving you. You don't need to do this alone. You can join us as an unleashed lifestyle entrepreneur and start to build your dream life today.